Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Hello, welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek, episode number fill in the blank. I'm Chrissy McQueen. This is Justin Winters on my left. And guess what? We saw some pretty big movies this week. Justin, can I ask you a question? Fill in the blank. That was the question, but okay. (laughs) Sure, what's the question? The question is, did you see both of these movies? I don't want to give it away just yet. Did you see them when they first came out? Yes. And did they affect you so that they became two of your favorite movies of all time? Yes. Ooh. See, this is big news on this podcast, kids, because sometimes we just, you know, go to the movies and see something that's currently in theaters and pair it with an old complimentary movie. But this is kind of a big deal because these are two movies that are on Justin's favorite list of all time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Not only that, these are two movies that I've been trying to get Chrissy to watch for a long time. And like Chrissy does um, often, she'll say, Are you sure you want to watch that? Or, Is there anything else? Or, Really? No, that is not true. That comes along, that that reaction when you say things like, let's go watch The Fast and the Furious 5. Then I'm like, mm, let's not. <laughs> what? Let's not and say we did. Uh, and then one of the movies I remember actually putting on and you like fell asleep like five minutes in. So You know, I just realized when I started this out and said I don't want to give it away by telling you what it is because I was planning on having a big reveal. Those of you who are clicking from our Podbean link or in iTunes will automatically know what this is because it says so in the title. So... What a waste of time that was. Right? I know. So stupid. Uh, We saw Almost Famous and Magnolia. Both, I think, were from the same year. Like, what, 2000? Um, I think uh, Magnolia was 99 and uh, Almost Famous was 2000. Wow. But these were both movies that came out when I was in college. And I was in high school. We're old. <laughs> womp womp. Okay. Do you feel sufficiently dated now, having said that? No. It is 2011, don't you know? It is, I know. I know. So, it wasn't the- that long ago. Uh, okay. Of the two movies, if you had to pick one that you prefer, which one? Um, probably Almost Famous. Really? And why? Because I love it so much. Why do you love it so much? Um, I mean, well, number one, I uh, was a journalism student in uh, college. Indeed. I have some newspaper experience. And uh, the main character in Almost Famous uh, was a uh, writer, a journalist. So, um, but he was only fifteen. He was only fifteen, but I was uh, I was aspiring to be a journalist when I was fifteen. 
And also you were somewhat of a, an intelligent prodigy, I will give you that. I feel like had this movie been made about movie makers or filmmakers, you could have fit that role nicely because you would have been just as much of an Encyclopedia Brown as he was knowing about music. Well, I mean, I had some experiences that obviously weren't as grandiose as his, but um, when I was in high school, I actually interviewed the the uh, classic rock band Bad Company. Did you really? Yeah, and I went to a show of theirs and talked to them. And uh, at the time, it was like the coolest thing I'd ever done. Because, <laughs> you know, coming from a small town in, in North Carolina, you don't get to, you know, have really uh, fun experiences like that often. So Were your parents really excited? Like, bad company? That's from our generation. Oh, my dad was so psyched. He was like, what? I was like, in your face, dad. Oh, so mean. I'm talking to the band. Maybe they'll take me on the road and, you know, that didn't happen. I feel like that would have been if I would have told my mom, Mom, I'm going to go interview Boston now. Yeah. She'd be like, you what? Exactly. And then, you know, then when I was in college, I had a couple experiences because of working on the college newspaper that, um, I don't know, you just get to do cool things and you're like... You get access to things you never thought you'd get access to. So you're like, oh, man, being a journalist is awesome. I find it incredibly amazing (laughs) that you got access to cool shit from North Carolina. Whereas, by the way, I was also a journalism major in Los Angeles. And I think the coolest person I ever got to interview was the leader of the Young Democrats of the San Fernando Valley. Wah, wah. Seriously? Yeah, when I was—I mean, when I was in college, I got flown out to LA um, on Steven Spielberg's dime for a movie junket, and that was like—I mean, just imagine whatever nineteen, twenty-year-old me. I was like, "This is the best weekend of my life." <laughs> Did you drink yet? I guess not. If you were nineteen, did I drink yet? Of course, I drank. No, I didn't say did. I said, "Could you legally?" Um. Not legally, but that doesn't mean I didn't. No, but in L.A., they're very carding happy, so that's why I was thinking. I'm like, that must have been interesting for you. You're like, I'm in L.A., and I can't go anywhere. No, I mean, they had, like, a whole, uh, like a, a party and stuff. and Oh, nice. Yeah. You just got to chum up to someone of age and say, hey, can you buy me a drink? What was the movie they sent you out for? Uh, what was it? Road Trip? They sent you out for Road Trip? Yeah. What? What do you mean, what? That was not a big movie. Like, I understand that they... It was, said, pretty, it was a pretty big comedy, yeah. Come on. Yeah, it was one of uh, DreamWorks's like, first big comedies, so... They didn't send you up for, like, Anchorman. That would make sense. I was I was already here for that, for Anchorman, but... Right. But who cares? I mean, again, <laughs> I was in college in North Carolina, and they're like, yeah, you want to come out for this movie jacket? I was like... Yeah. No, I know. It's just my jealousy talking because <laughs> I didn't get to do anything cool. But you lived in L.A., so you lived in, you know, the city of cool. Yeah, except when I said, how do I get access to these cool things happening just down the street? They'd be like, I don't know, be resourceful. Journalists have to be resourceful. You should learn how. Chrissy, why don't you think of my experience in a positive way and say, you know what? Maybe if Justin hadn't had that experience, he wouldn't have even moved out to L.A. in the first place and he wouldn't have met me. So, there you go. 
I wasn't thinking about it in a negative way. I was just saying that you my... You think about it in a selfish way. You're like, why? I, I live in LA and I don't need do nothing. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back to Almost Famous, the movie we are supposed to be discussing. All right. Well, tell us, what, what did you think about Almost Famous? It was much better than I thought it would be. Um, and not that I thought it would be bad. I thought it would be a perfectly good movie. But... Let's face it, let's be honest, shall we? I'm not really a classic rock sort of girl. And I really thought this movie was kind of heavy on that whole classic rock theme in that, you know, period of time. And I was kind of like, eh, how into it could I possibly be? It's so sad that you're so prejudiced against classic rock. I'm not for some prejudiced reason. against it. I, I, I it's like it. It's like your prejudice of country music because you say, I hate country music when it sounds like this. Bang, 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 ding, 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 ding. I do play country music when it sounds like that. Or when it's like... I had a dog and then the tornado came. My wife is under the four by four. Or your your blanket prejudice of 80s music and 80s movies. So you, you so you're saying you avoided uh, the movie for what twelve years because it had classic rock in it. That's putting it too simplistically. Obviously, I'm not going to avoid a movie just because of the, its soundtrack choice. But <laughs> you've avoided movies for much less than that. That's so. not true. Okay. But I but it's an intrinsic part of the film, the whole classic rock thing, and. I genuinely thought that I just wouldn't enjoy it as much as other people because I'm not at all into the genre. It's like taking somebody to a country movie and then saying, being like, you don't have to like country to like this movie. Why don't you open your world to New Horizons? A whole new world. I did. Okay. I saw it. Uh Uh-huh. I liked it. Okay. What did you like about it? Kate Hudson was really good. Yeah, this is like... Her best movie she's ever done. Well, made me sad because I've seen a lot of the other things that she's done since then. And well, now you know why I'm sad. Every time I see her in a really crappy ass movie, I still think she was pretty good in Something Borrowed. What? She encapsulated the character of Darcy quite well. Okay, well, I passed on that one. So. Well, I understand, but you didn't read the book, so that's why. Yeah, I passed on that book too. <sighs> Emily Giffen is very awesome. I actually, I I don't know. I think Kate Hudson just has a bad agent or something like her choice of films that she is in is just terrible so you think that cameron crowe saw something in her because this was her first you know big break or was it the fact that she has a famous mom well i'm sure that helped you know yeah um but yeah i mean she was just like great in this she was but why was she great? Was it because she was so subtle or because I, I don't even know. Like I, I, there were times I really do feel like she was just so like subtle in her acting in a good way. Unaffected. Yes. Yes. And I think that's what's been lacking in not just obviously the movie choices, which have stuck she since had, then. She had an inner radiance that has since been, um, overexposed or, snuffed out i don't know maybe she's just been i don't know it's a little bit like j-lo 
It's not like J-Lo, and we're not talking about Selena. We're talking about Kate Hudson and her terrible choice of choices of movies. Well, what I mean, what else has Kate Hudson been that she's been good? And we're not talking about something borrowed. She wasn't bad in that, though. But what else? Um, Can you although, think of- yes, although we really hate that movie, she wasn't bad as the bitchy best friend in the movie with Anne Hathaway about getting married. Bridesmaids? No, that was horrible. It was a horrible movie. Not Bridesmaids. What, what, what was the name yeah, of Yeah, no, movie? I can't remember, but... Um, oh, I don't remember the name of this movie. But she herself wasn't bad in it. The movie was, was terrible, but she wasn't bad. I don't agree. You thought she was... I thought, I thought it was all horrible, including her. Well, all right. What else has she been in? She's, she was in that horrible movie where she wore the gold dress. How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Yeah, that's not that wasn't good. I know. But what else has she been in? Um She's like a big star. I feel like we're doing her an injustice that we can't figure this out. Who ca- who cares? I don't an injustice. We're doing her an injustice. We are. We should know what movie she's been in other than like three movies. Don't you think? She's like a big star. No, she hasn't been anything good. Wait, I will tell you what else she has been in. She's been in Yumi and Dupree, Raising Helen, The Skeleton Key, Fool's Gold. Oh, it was Bride Wars, by the way. That movie was called Bride Wars. Uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, which we discussed. That's kind of it. See? We were right. She does suck. Aww. No. She was also in 200 Cigarettes. Again. You still haven't gotten to anything. I don't know. She, like I said, this was her best movie. It was her best role. Um, it's the best script and director she's been associated with. She was in Nine. Nine? Yes, the musical with Nicole Kidman and... See, that um, was crappy too. It's hard for a musical to be bad. I don't think it was bad. I thought she was actually... Her role in it was pretty good. Okay. Well, maybe she's turning a new leaf. What else did you like other than Kate Hudson? The the, the main kid. Um, I don't know what else he's been in, if anything. <laughs> well, the reason I say this is because it was like... Well, let's stop talking about what you like by saying, what else has this kid been in? What else has Kate no, Hudson been I'm in? I'm trying to illustrate how it was a relative for the time, a cast of unknowns that came together and created an ensemble piece. But even though it was an ensemble piece, they individually had this kind of light about them that you know like when she was on screen i was i was drawn her when he was on screen i really cared about him and yet it was still at the end of the day an ensemble movie that's what i mean okay so when i'm trying to figure out what else they've been in it was because like i feel like they're lost without this movie this movie made them fabulous and they made the movie fabulous got it there you go so you like kate hudson you like the main kid did you like the music, even though you don't like classic rock, did you like no. the direction? Did you like? I love the- Cameron Crowe movies because I feel like, how do I put this? Cameron Crowe gets very existential. Like he just wants to answer questions about life and and you know what does it all mean? What's it all about, Alfie? And he does that. Like he did the, this in this movie. Like it's it's a coming of age story, yes, but you know. Everybody's finding themselves, and it's all about finding yourself and growing and stuff like that. And the same thing happened to Jerry Maguire. It was all about Jerry finding himself and Renee finding herself. And 
And it is. It's like a what's it all about sort of thing. Do you not agree with me? You're you're smirking at me like I'm an idiot. No, I'm not. You really are. I'm smiling at you. Well, what do you think? Well, obviously, what what Cameron Crowe is one of my favorite directors, so I would agree with you that he's, um, yeah, he's got a lot of substance to him, and he doesn't do a lot of movies that have you know no point or a little no point, except for Elizabeth Town, which. But even that movie was a was a whole coming of age. What is it all about? Sort of thing. Yeah, but that one came out as more uh, cloying and fake than something like Almost Famous or Jerry Maguire or Say Anything. So I agree. But have you noticed a running theme though that that is seemingly what he's trying to accomplish in pretty much every movie he puts out? Obviously, in different ways, and some are more successful than others. In fact, I'd say most are more successful than Elizabeth Town. But that's. At the end of the day, what he's almost always trying to do. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. I feel like I'm having to pull words out of you. No, not at all. I just gave a pretty lengthy explanation about Cameron Crowe and what I like. About his movies in general. Okay. Well, two of the things that I, I like best about this movie is two um, of the smaller supporting roles. And those are um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Great. Which, which actually, this podcast is like a Philip Seymour Hoffman double feature. It is. I thought of that when we were watching Magnolia. Um, yeah, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's like the bee's knees. He's pretty awesome. Um, and, and this where he plays Lester Bangs. I just thought he was like the best um, like mentor character for uh, the kid. Um, and then, um, Frances McDormand, who is also rather awesome. You know why she's rather awesome? Like, this came, like, just a couple years after, uh, Fargo, and I freaking love Fargo, so I was like, yes! Still haven't seen that one. Frances McDormand! But do you know what makes her pretty awesome is that she can very easily come off as abrasive or too harsh, because she's kind of a no-nonsense actress, and she, you know, that quality comes forth in her characters. And while the the character of the mother certainly had that about her, there was also an underlying, um, I won't say softness, but, but what? But caring? Like, what, what's the right word to describe that, that quality that, you know, muted her harshness? Um... I don't know. What are you saying? Warmth? Yes. Yes. She had an underlying warmth. And I think it for an actress, like I said, of her caliber, who does sometimes come across as a little bit abrasive, she could have come across as totally harsh, and she didn't. She had a heart. Exactly. My favorite scene in, uh, in the movie with her is the one where... Um, it's one of the phone scenes where she's on the phone with uh, her oh, son, yeah. William, and he... Uh, Billy Crudup's character steals the phone away from William and starts talking with her. Like, he's going to, like, rap at her and tell her how awesome. We're taking good care of him. Yeah, we're taking good care. And then she, like, turns it around and just scares the crap out of him. Yeah, and by the end of that phone call, he was like, yes, ma'am. That's great. Yes, ma'am. Billy Crudup uh, went to uh, UNC, my school, for uh, his undergraduate degree, so... I can't 
said whether I think it's it was easier or harder to be a journalist back then. Easier or harder? Yes. Uh, much easier because there's a lot more. There was a lot more work back then. But but you also had to write everything on top of a typewriter and redo it like that. There was no editing. Who cares? At least you had a job. You know how sad we we are when we hear some young buck saying, "I want to go into journalism." And now we both go, "Oh, don't do it! <laughs> Anything but that." Go into computer science. It's the way to go. Yeah. Womp womp. Was journalism your first passion, or was it your backup plan? Um. I mean, writing has always been like a, a a big passion of mine. So, I just I think I just always knew innately that whatever I did had to involve writing of some kind. Hopefully, creative writing, but mm-hmm. but writing of some kind. So, in a way, journalism was kind of a backup plan because you wanted to go in the creative side, not the objective hard news side. Um, or not so much. I mean, I, I I did like news editorial, so. Um, we didn't have a class like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about my my like path. Like you go to UNC and you choose. Oh, I mean, you go into the journalism school, so you got to choose which path within the journalism school you go to. So they had like news editorial, they had PR and marketing, they had uh, right. What was the other one? We just had print, broadcast, or PR. Maybe internet was one of them. I can't remember, but I don't know. I think at the time, I I didn't even think that, you know, I could always just work in a newspaper if I wanted to. But, um, I don't know. That coupled with the fact that I was writing about movies at the time, and I, I didn't know if I wanted to do that forever, so... Which is funny because Nana showed me when you were five years old, you used to fill out these basic cards that said, like, who you are now, what your favorite color is, what your favorite food is, and what you want to be when you grow up. And I kid you not, dear listeners, Justin had to fill out these cards for his Nana when he was, like, five and could hold a pencil all the way up to, I want to say, maybe junior high. I love, and- I love that my grandmother was hazing me for my, like... Yeah, she was awesome. Career aspirations. And every single year that he filled this out, things would change, like, what his favorite food was or, like, who his best friend was at that time. But the one thing that did not change, you could even see in, like, the the kid handwriting that changes throughout the years is, what do you want to be when you grow up? A movie critic. A movie critic. A movie critic. Over and over and over again. And then, like, one time he switched it and he wanted to be a doctor. I know. I think I was. I think I thought about my, um, how much money I'd be making. Oh, <laughs> sad. And I actually thought about it for a year, and then I switched back to movie critic. Yeah, and then the next year was right back to a movie critic, movie critic, over and over and over again. What do you expect, man? Again, I grew up in a, uh, a video store. I'm not hazing you. Every every year, I would actually get like the the Roger Ebert books where he'd put all his reviews in or Leonard Malton books huge books and I would just read them cover to cover because I was like I just like if I I just want to know as as much as possible about movies even even the movies that I couldn't watch at the time I was like really excited I was like okay someday I'm gonna be able to watch this movie and it's gonna be amazing so here's my question now (laughs) 
this, let's just say, is the closest you have become to realizing your lifelong childhood dream of being a movie critic, having this podcast. (laughs) If you now could go back in time and tell your childhood Justin something with Mm -hmm. relation to all this, what would you tell him? I would tell him that... Keep on my keep on the path you're going, dude, because you might end up in Los Angeles with a very pretty woman. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what you'd say. And your in, your inner six year old is like, "What about meeting Roger Ebert?" And then you have to tell your inner six year old, "Boy, you see, he got cancer." And so his face is totally messed up. Dude, I still want to meet him, dude. Even if he talks to me in, like, his computer voice, I would, like... Oh, I know. I'm, I mean, that would be, like, one of those... Imagine telling people. your six-year-old that. You'd be... Your, your inner six-year-old. Your six-year-old would be like, what? No, I think I'd be so cool about it. You're like, oh, and by the way, Siskel's dead. <sighs> no, that would, I would be sad about that. But I, I, I liked Ebert more than Siskel as a kid. But, yeah, I mean... Even when I was like, I think I was nine or ten years old, I applied to be the, like a, I think it was like a teen critic at my local newspaper. Even, Did you really? Even though I was nine years old, I was like, I was like, I know I'm not yet a teen, but. <laughs> I'm advanced. I, I, I love movies and I like writing about, I had to like write like a, a, a review of like a current movie for your like application. That's amazing. I would love to know what movie you wrote about. Was it? I think it was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Was it really? Yeah, man. I was like, I could write pages about this movie. And did they ever write back to you, like, thanks for submitting, but no? Oh, yeah, I think they wrote back and said, sorry, kid. Yeah. You're too young. Yeah, they put their boot on my face like the... Christmas story? Christmas story. (laughs) I was like, no! Sent you down the slide? This is my dream! Did you catch yourself and you were like... No! <laughs> yeah, I landed in the mound of cotton balls. So, I don't know. Nice. I mean, as I got older, it was it became less, you know, I want to be a movie critic and more of, okay, what can I do to see as many free movies as possible? Oh, I can write about them, you know? Right. Oh, that's get, true. And get free, because when you're in college, you have no money, so... You don't? I had to think of a way to see all these movies I wanted to see free. Hey, guess what? Pretty pretty big con man, huh? Guess what? What? After college? Yeah. You still have no money. I know. I know. I should have listened to the six-year-old me and been, <laughs> been a doctor. <laughs> the one time you were like, I think I'll be a doctor. Actually, strike that. Let me go back in time until... <laughs> You know that time that you put you want to be a doctor on that that thing for your grandmother? Screw it. You need to do that yeah. every year. Yeah. You don't need to go to LA and meet some really hot blonde woman. You don't need to have a podcast. Just be a doctor. <laughs> Preferably plastic surgery. You need to start this thing called Facebook. <laughs> Where he was, was it Frequency, where he goes, Yahoo. (laughs) Did he he say Yahoo? Yeah. (laughs) Remember, and his friend, like, goes, okay, like, to take out stock in the new fledgling Yahoo, and he does, because, but in real life, he wasn't going to, and he missed out on, like, the biggest opportunity of his life, and he amounted to nothing. But then when his, when Frequency guy got to go back in time, tell him, he's like, at the baseball game, I'm just going to tell you one thing. 
Yahoo. And he was like, Yahoo, all right, whatever. And then he figured it out. That means buy stock in this new thing I was just thinking about. And he, then he had like a Mercedes and he was really rich. Holy shit, I don't remember any of this. Really? I only remember like the father-son stuff. I'll have to find the clip for you then. It's okay. I'm not making it up, I swear. It's okay. There was a baseball game. Did oh. you ever think about being a, a Band-Aid when you were younger? Um, I was the daughter of a, mu- of a mu- musician. And... Okay. Ba- I mean, when I was a kid, he didn't do very much. But I heard stories of life before I came into the picture. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My dad um, was a drummer. And worked with people like the Righteous Brothers. He played once with Elvis. He actually he did he did some pretty cool stuff for it being the sixties and seventies. Um, he was also a raging alcoholic and did drugs. So you know, good times. Dude, he was in a band. What is he supposed to do? Um, I don't know. Stay faithful to my mom and you know not come home with things <laughs> or people or drugs or cops or. I could go on, really. I really could. So, in answer to your question, no. (laughs) I did not, at the age of six, like when you were wondering, hmm, doctor, movie critic, did not stop and go, should I follow in the footsteps of one of the skanks my dad banged on the road? Okay. That sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, in terms of almost famous. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I love that you bring it full circle. Go ahead. Full circle? What are you talking about? There's no circle. There's almost famous. We're supposed to be talking about it. I know. The conversation I meant. Is there anything you didn't like about the movie? It was a little bit long. <laughs> okay. Well, no. I mean, don't make fun of me. I stayed awake the whole time, and I did it, you know, without having to stay awake. I actually enjoyed it. And see, I don't, see, I don't understand when people say, you know, I loved a movie. I loved, loved, loved it. The only thing I didn't like about it, it was a little long. Don't you want right. movies that you love? To does be it, forever. Does it, I'm, not, I'm talking about forever, but <laughs> does it matter if it's like, you know, 15, 20 minutes longer? I only... I only notice the length of movies or or talk about the length of movies in a bad way when the movies are bad and long. Well, no, then that's like the perfect storm of awfulness. But the reason that even when you like a movie, you don't want it to run overly long is because it starts not to ruin it for you per se, but like the parts that are awesome are then met with these lulls kind of in the way I'm talking. See, I didn't feel the lulls. This is, I mean, this movie is like, what, two, two and a half hours, maybe? It's at least two. Okay. At least. Well, and, and there's actually a longer version of this movie that I didn't even show you. Well, thanks. And again, not to bring up the movie that shall not be named, but your favorite movie is Titanic, and that movie is seven hours long. It's three hours and 14 minutes. Talking about lulls. There's like major lulls. There are no lulls in Titanic. None. Lullage. None. Major lulls. No lulls. Yes. Perfect in every way. <laughs> okay. I feel like Mary Poppins just then, except, you know, more acerbic. Practically perfect in every way. So what was your favorite scene from Almost Famous? Um, I thought it was r- romantic in a very innocent way when she was, uh, Kate Hudson was overdosing on Quaaludes. And they're having this dance where he's like, don't fall asleep. Stay with me. Stay with me. And That is so romantic. 
And the fact that she was passed out. No, in an innocent and he, way. And he started to make out with her. No, he didn't. Uh, God, it didn't happen like that. No, I mean in an innocent romance way where it's just kind of like a, this is a moment you're going to remember forever. Oh, college. All those girls that just pass out on you and you have to <laughs> carry them back to their also, the scene where Russell is standing on the roof of the house, he's like, I'm a golden god, and then doesn't remember it later. Pretty fabulous. That was a pretty funny scene as well. I'm on drugs. I'm on drugs. And, and we shall stick together. I'm on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And especially for the fact that it become, it comes after him talking in that... Um, room full of kids saying, you know what? This is real. You're real. Your lampshade's real. <laughs> he like starts clicking on the lights. This is real. <laughs> real lights. What would you say your favorite movie is? I mean, movie. Um, scene. Um, well, I told you I like the one where Francis McDormand is on the phone. Right. Um. Yes. And then the one, the one I just talked about. All right, that's good. Um, do you think that I like I like the um, "Hold Me Close" Tony Danza sing because I love that song. <laughs> Tony Danza, I agree. That was a good scene too. Um, what was the song? There was one song they were all. Or was that Magnolia? That was Magnolia. <laughs> Never mind. We'll get there. <laughs> wow. I'm mixing the movies in my head now. Guys, I worked for a long time today. <laughs> I'm a little bit loopy. Uh, you know, it happens. 12 hour days. Uh, you know. Um, all right, so you're, you're glad you finally watched it. What would be your final grade for Almost Famous? Uh, a minus, B plus. I'm right on the cusp. Can I give it an A minus minus? A minus minus? Because it's like an A, but not quite a B. It's A minus minus. Got it. If it were on HBO, I wouldn't kick it out of bed. If it was on HBO, you wouldn't kick it out of bed. Yeah, like if I'm watching HBO in bed, I would watch it. I wouldn't be like, I'm dropping you, almost famous. Instead of kicking it? Yeah. Um, that being said, I think think I preferred the second movie, which was Magnolia. Really? Yeah, and and that's actually pretty telling about how good Magnolia was, because... Even though, up to this point, after all the times I tried to get you to watch it, one of which you f fell asleep five minutes in... I was so tired that day. You, you were equating it, when you talked about it, to Tylenol PM. I specifically remember you saying... Oh, if I ever need to, like, fall asleep, instead of taking a Tylenol at PM, I just put on Magnolia. Funny how I don't remember saying that, and I think it's weird that I would say that after only watching five minutes of a movie. No, it's one of those ones that I, I'd be like, you want to watch Magnolia? Nope. Well, you know why? Because I confused every other movie under the sun with it. I thought Requiem for a Dream was Magnolia. I thought... The movie with Scarlett Johansson wearing a pink wig was Magnolia. I thought this was Magnolia. Like, all of those kind of darky sort of movies that may or may not star Tom Cruise, I thought was Magnolia. Darky? Yeah. That's racist. No, right? Queen for Dream was dark. That's <laughs> racist. Oh. 
<laughs> you shut up. I don't know why you didn't just tell me, hey, by the way, Magnolia, based on the street on which we live. Because I would have been like, oh, we should probably watch that. It happens on our street. Wow. I need to think of more inconsequential ways to get you to watch the movies that we Think don't. about who you're talking to. Know your audience. Okay. Well, from now on, I will just sort by if the movie was filmed in Los Angeles. And we'll just... Perfect. I'm on board. <laughs> so, Chrissy, what did you like about this movie? It was filmed in L.A. <laughs> the end. I can see my house. Wow. So, yes. Um... This movie, a lot of things take place uh, on our street that we live on. On the street where we live. But it also kind of made me sad because a lot of seedy things apparently happen on the street on which we live. Yeah, it does. Like, what? Well, honestly, like, the all the police activity and stuff like that, I don't know. I don't think that's very Magnolia. I think it's very, like, Victory Boulevard. That's Maybe true. I, I, know when. I, I don't see a lot of police on our street. Yeah, no, that was, they were exaggerating. And it's funny because after that, I was like, I want to look up the filming locations. And didn't I say to you, there was one point just before the frogs rained down, I said, I was like, I know where that is. That's totally like Sherman Way and Reseda, you know, the crap part of town. That's not my Magnolia. And sure enough, I looked it up and they were like, this took place in both Van Nuys, which is not where we live, and Reseda, which is also crap. Wow. I know. You should get a gold star of some kind. So why do they have to lie and act like that was Magnolia? Give Magnolia a bad name. (laughs) I I don't think that every single scene happens on Magnolia Boulevard, though. No, it does not. It's just their lives all intersect. It's true. They do intersect. Yes, they do. (laughs) Whose vignette were you most interested in? Um, let's see. I knuckle crack, by the way. I'm sorry, guys. That was my knuckles. Like, I broke my hands. Um, there's no... Um, okay. I love John C. Riley. He's, like, one of my favorite actors. I love him in everything. He can do no wrong. So, in this, I really love him. Like, his whole um, story with the girl, the coke... The coke... Melora Walters is her name. Coked out chick. I know you had some problems with it, but I thought it was great. Well, my problem with it is is that no matter how nice of a, of a bumbling copy may be, like, how does he not know that she is high as a kite when she can't even stand still for longer than two seconds? And she's like, yeah, 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 tonight, okay, good, yeah, huh, huh. Like, it's, she's very, you know, spastic. Yeah, but he was blinded by love. Or maybe he thought she was just really excited into, really into him. <laughs> but... But, but no. <laughs> okay. Like, I understand how he would feel that way maybe when they go on their date and she starts talking about, like, you know, being honest and really saying what you mean and meaning what you say and all that sort of business. Like, then, yeah, if I were him and just kind of an idiot, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Wow, she's really into me. She's being, opening up and being super honest. In the very beginning, when he first comes to her door and is like, ma'am, that music is really loud. And she's like, What? What? And, like, you know, practically twitching. Mm-hmm. Even asks, is like, ma'am, have you been doing drugs? No. Have you been drinking? No. Well, he, he lost his gun. He's, he wasn't that good of a cop, so. <laughs> That's true. 
But I mean, like, you even look at a cop wrong and they're like, step out of the vehicle, ma'am. We're going to make you walk the line and do the test. Like, she was, like, openly twitching and he didn't think to test her. So I think it would be a tie between that vignette, um, the Frank T.J. Mackey stuff with Tom Cruise. Oh, respect the you-know-what. Respect the cock. And tame the donut. No. The donut? Are you trying to come up with a nice term for what he said? No, you know that uh, in, was it uh, the musical episode of Buffy, um, Xander made a a Magnolia joke. He He did? He says, was it respect, respect something and tame the donut? What does he say? I don't, I have no idea. I think it's a cool, respect the crueler and tame the donut. I don't know. I don't know. Now I have to watch the musical episode of Buffy again just so I can get the in-joke. Once more with feeling. Definitely a Magnolia joke in there. Oh my god. Yeah. I feel so behind. So, yeah, you didn't know how, like, freaking awesome Tom Cruise was in Magnolia. I, I did not. Um, you weren't you weren't ready for his uh, overwhelming machismo. Yo, and how overwhelming it was. And it's funny because there were certain points where I was watching him give his uh, seminar. And I thought, you know, it's one thing for him to be doing this because he's like a Tom Likas wannabe, but Tom Cruise, so he's hotter. But the bevy of guys that... I don't that, get the Tom Likas thing. What? Well, you know, Likas has one, Likas 101. Or he did when he was on the radio. It was all about, like, how to get some for nothing and how to basically, like, use girls and chew them up and spit them out. Oh. Uh, I thought it was, like, Mystery from, uh, what was that show on VH1? If, but Mystery had more respect for women. Okay. If it, Maybe if Mystery and Tom Likas formulated one person, it would be Tom Cruise's character in Magnolia. That's a fair assessment. I'm thinking of Likas with just the big Jamiroquai hat on his head. Gross. And the goggles, one of the thing. One time, what's the name of that show? With um, mystery. I don't remember the name of the show, but it was all about like how to get these nerdy guys made over and get them into being womanizers. And one of them tried to pick you up one time at a LA restaurant. He did. We I, it was an Encino, and I remember recognizing him because I was like, "Holy shit, this is the guy from the show, and he's totally using the mystery move on me." So yeah, Tom Cruise is awesome. Um, yeah, but I was when he was giving his seminar, I couldn't help but think that the bevy of men in the audience were going to go out and be rapists. Because I was like, they're like just Neanderthals listening to him. They're not going to, you know, think of it like he does. They're going to be like, yeah, and they're going to go out and like, you know, club a woman over the head and drag her by her hair somewhere. What's wrong with that? <laughs> you couldn't tell, but I hit him. Okay, so what are you saying? You didn't like Tom Cruise in this, or you didn't? No, I did. Okay. I was talking about the whole, like, concept, though, and the guys and the audience and that sort of seminar, you know, crap. You wouldn't be attracted to a Frank TGA Mackey type of guy? No, I wouldn't. No? No. I love his whole thing with the, um, his whole scene, all his scenes with the black journalists. That is great. Yeah, she was great. Like, he, he pretty much turned, like, turned on a dime on her. Yeah. From being like... Cocky crazy. Cocky crazy to I want you to die. Yeah. To I am pillaging you with my eyes. I am silently judging you. Oh, Until you explode. It was like... You know how Tyra Banks always talks about smize or smizing, which is smiling with your eyes? This was like... 
murizing, murdering with your eyes. Yeah. True. I know. Uh, what do you think of the vignette of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Cruise's estranged father and Julianne Moore? <laughs> Julianne Moore was so sad. Well, I like uh, I like Jason Ropards and Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie a lot more than I like Julianne Moore. Yeah, I mean, she had the unfortunate task of having a character that cries 95% of the time, so... I mean, from, from that standpoint, I guess she was meant to be annoying from the start. If you're gonna cry, either go all out and have a breakdown, or be subtle about it, a la any of the actors from Almost Famous. Like, she was just so sad! And, like, I don't even know what happened to her voice. It was like a... There was a demarcation right between her normal voice and her crazy sad voice. And you could hear it because she would be talking and be like, So I go to get these prescriptions and you call me lady. Like, all of a sudden it changed. Dude, I mean, who hasn't ever wanted to go crazy on a pharmacist like she does? Hey, pretty lady. What the <laughs> <laughs> she was so upset with being called Lady. It makes me think of Jerry Lewis. She would have been very upset with Jerry Lewis. You were suspicious. You go. You make your calls. Yeah. And I'm meant to believe. Like, <laughs> she's getting sing-songy. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then later on, what was it she cried the second time? Um, Was it in the house? Oh, yeah. And you don't know about Frank? You sound like, uh, <laughs> whatchamacallit from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> you, you frequently... The Target <laughs> woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, you frequently call me out on doing Kristen Wiig characters. So, it makes sense. Because <laughs> but that's what it was. This is on sale! <laughs> Oh. But that's exactly what it was because she was so mad. She, first, and she starts out angry enough. Like, how dare you call him? How dare you call him and tell him that his dad is dying? <laughs> My favorite is when she starts. Uh, was it she? Well, she was crying to the lawyer, I think, and she's telling oh. him those things that don't have stuck me in the car. <laughs> the I cheated. Cheated. <laughs> God. So many times. Fuck this. Fuck this. Cox. The way she says Cox. Cox. I was like, whoa. Wait, how did she say it again? She says, suck the woman. Cox. <laughs> like she unhinges her jaw a little bit. Wait, let me see what you do. And I suck other man's Cox. <laughs> Not as good as you. You're really good. She was a better crier in Boogie Nights. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Um... So... They're writing a comic relief in a dark movie. <laughs> Who else did I like in this movie? I like the kid. Um, the rapper? The rapper was okay. I was talking about the, the quiz kid who peed himself. Oh, Stanley. Oh, my God. I was so angry at Stanley's dad and Felicity Huffman and Jimmy and pretty much everybody associated with that show. Because 
Yeah, guys. Some of them we, need- we work in TV. There's always time for potty breaks. Always. Especially if the host is having a breakdown and fainting on stage. That's a great time to go to the bathroom because you're like, well, we're not going anywhere for a while. Yeah. Where, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Where were the producers on this? And even stupider was that a few people, i.e. the other kids on the panel, and his dad knew he had peed his pants. His dad even, like, shook him up a little bit and was like, you peed your pants? You know, it wasn't like peeing is the coolest. It was just like, oh, you should be ashamed. So they all knew, and yet they still wanted him to go up for their version of, like, Final Jeopardy with the woman from the other adult side. Like, and they're still egging him on. I'm like, did they just forget that he peed his pants? Why is he going up there? I'm like, because he peed himself. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. I'm sure you liked rocket science, though. He liked, he did like a little bit of everything in the studying realm, so yes, you're probably right. Kind of reminded me of me in that way. I was a, a book geek. You were a renaissance boy? I was a renaissance boy. I don't think I was as good in trivia as he was. I was a library assistant, so I spent a lot of time in the, in the books. You were a library assistant? In the, the, the period, uh, Yeah. Yeah, I was a library assistant for one whole period, so I... When? I ruled the the media center. High school? Seventh grade, I think. You had a media center in seventh grade? You didn't have a library in seventh grade? I mean, we... We had a library... I had a library in kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) Kindergarten through 12. Did they take away your library in the middle there for some reason? (laughs) No, I'm trying to think. Um... Well, okay. See, here's what you do. If you're really into books and reading, <laughs> you be a library assistant and you get dibs when people bring in books. hi Wait, were you a library assistant at your public library or at your school library? My school library. Okay. Um, I swear to God, this sounds terrible. I don't remember that we had a school library at the, in elementary or in junior high. Why? Um, we had book fairs where Scholastic Did you not come. go into the library ever? I No, I must be, I mean, I must be having some sort of Alzheimer's moment. We had book fairs. Did you have computer labs? We did have computer labs. They were not near the library? No, it was right next to the choir. Did you not le- learn about the Dewey Decimal System? I did, but I don't remember it very well. Wow. I'm old. And Alzheimer's-y. It's true. But, um... No, we had a scholastic book fair where they would come in like once a quarter and so let me, set up. So let me set this up. Books. So pretty much little Chrissy comes in to the, the book fair once a year and you're like, what is this room? <laughs> Why are there books all over the walls? And are those bookshelves? No, I love scholastic book fair. Can I check these out? I thought I could only buy books once a year. Well, I in real life, that's I bought books. Um, like... Wow, that must have been nice. I went to... I had to rent them. Well, also, I'll be fair and say you were probably very fast and, um... Fat? Fluid reader. I was fat? No, fast. Fast? Fast, a fast and fluid reader. Fast and furious reader? Yes, sure, why not? Okay. Um, whereas, I mean, I, I had... Our dog, by the way, is being very cute and having a bad dream next to us, so if you hear that, that's Maggie. Now you know. She knows like, we're talking about books. Like, whoop, whoop, books, She's like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> whoop, whoop, books. Um, no, I, I, I like to read several books over and over again, too. So, you know, my mom would take me to, at the time, Wallen books. I remember that. And so, 
it, oh, it was a hard time finding homes for books because I would always run out of room. But that was like my big splurge. I didn't really get tons of toys. I got toys, but I didn't get like tons of stuff. Like books was my thing. So we bought me books all the time. I just go to the library and just keep reading books because I was hoping that one of those books would end up being my never ending story. And then. <laughs> the never ending story. Come on, it's got to happen. Which one of the, these books is it? Come No. <laughs> Where's my flying dog? True. Oh. Okay, so back to the movie. <laughs> and now I, I'm having trouble even concentrating on this because all I'm trying to think of is whether or not Pinegrass had a library. It had to have had a library. Why can't I remember this? Um, also, another thing I love about Magnolia is um, the soundtrack. Um, oh, a, it was very good. With a lot of songs by Amy Mann. And John Bryan. And John Bryan. I like him a lot. He's a very good composer. I like him. Yeah. Um, the most famous of which in the movie is the um, scene where everybody sings Wise Up by Amy Mann. And that's the one where I was trying to Shazam it because I was like, I want to know what the song is. I really like it. But why are they all singing it? Even the people who shouldn't be singing, like the guy knocking on death's door in the coma. And, I'm, and I was like, it's a musical interlude. Let's talk about the frogs for a minute while we're on the subject of crazy shit happening. So, yeah. So you, you kept asking me throughout the movie about why um, the numbers 82 kept coming up. Yeah. Well, that's because of Exodus uh, 8-2, which is... Uh, I can't remember the extra scripture, but it's about um, rain, frogs raining from above. Oh. So. Okay. It happened. Or they talk about it in the Bible. Yeah, I saw 82 on everything. I'm like, 82, 82, 82. What does it mean? So, yeah. I'm kind of proud of myself for even noticing that. So, if you were driving down the street, driving down Magnolia Boulevard, and it started raining ass frogs from above. First well, of all, I would stop the car on, like, these idiots who, like, then went... And, like, drove it into, you know, walls or poles or t- flipped it or whatever. Like, they accelerated when the frogs started flying. That's a bad idea. Well, they were probably... They didn't know what was going on. They don't I, have, like, frog X on their windshield. So They don't? <laughs> no. They're missing out. What's wrong with my windshield wipers? Well, I understand, but, like, at least... Stop the car if you can't see and it's you're being pelted with something. Stop the car and like duck and cover. Like, what are you doing? It's true. What were they doing? They were driving into things, exactly. And it's truly, they started going faster when it happened. It'd be like <laughs> crash. So, what did you think of that scene other than the fact that you didn't like people driving through the frogs? Um, I was a little bit disgusted and sad for the frogs. <laughs> You know the frogs weren't real, right? They weren't? No. <laughs> Where did they get those millions of frogs? I did actually think for a split minute there. I was like, I can't even say split second because I pondered about it for more than a second. Where did all the frogs come from? You're just not used to any precipitation of any kind. What's you know? What's precipitation? Wh- whether it be frogs or... Uh, what is that? Hail or snow or... What is snow? Heavy rain. What is sleet? I still don't understand what sleet is. Sleet's like little ice pellets, almost. How is that different from hail? 
Hell's bigger ice pellets. How's that different from freezing rain? Frozen ice pellets? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. I feel like they just overlap each other. I'm like, can't you just call it, like, cold hard? Ta-da! Cold hard? Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of cold hard coming from the sky. <laughs> yeah. 90% chance of cold hard. <laughs> It totally makes sense. Thanks, Jackie Johnson. <laughs> I feel like I made the invention of lying. <laughs> For everyone that doesn't live in L.A., um, and uh, when I was a kid, I, I had no semblance of this, but every single news station in Los Angeles <laughs> has a ridiculously hot weather girl. Like, ridiculously hot. Like, you can't even... Like, she's, like, showing you the weather and stuff, and you're just like, what? supposed to be because when I was growing up people would tell me I should grow up and be a weather girl and I was like all right there's a 90% of cold hard today Jackie Johnson (laughs) so wait they wanted you to be a weather girl yeah well that's a compliment I didn't that's like saying you're ridiculous you're ridiculously hot thanks but I didn't realize at the time because I grew up here so I was like are you trying to say that I'm a bimbo and I can't do the real news there's still time. You could go into meteorology. No, it's a little late in my life now. Is that, is, can you take that at University of Arizona online? <laughs> talk to many cops. Talk to many cops. <laughs> Everyone look at that scene. I know it's on YouTube. <laughs> She's like crying and talking about second cops. And then also look up the scene that I referenced earlier from Frequency and Yahoo. Because you should. Anything else about Magnolia that you want to share? Um, William H. Macy. What about him? What a sad person. It was sad. I feel badly for him. Well, I don't because it was a character and not real. It's interesting, though, about his roles in general in movies. He plays somebody who's seemingly put together, but yet slightly askew, sometimes even more than slightly. But he always has a veneer of being, you know, put together. William H. Macy has his shit together. Um, I met him once. Was he wearing his Sally Jesse Raphael glasses from he the movie? No, although I wish he were. Um, he was a ragamuffin with homeless guy hair and homeless guy beard, and was just kind of like gruffy, like personality wise. Next time you meet him, you should be like, you know what? I felt sorry for your character in Magnolia, and I hated your wife's character. Why did she not let Stanley pee? Right? Seriously. But um, I wonder if this is how they met each other, by the way. What? On Magnolia, Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy. No, they've been together forever. Forever, forever? Yeah, like a long time. Interesting. But yeah, no, um, it's funny because I met him in real life and he is he's scruffy and kind of gruffy in his personality. Oh, yeah? Not at all what you would expect. Huh. Kind of like... I literally had to stop somebody to tell me. Because I was like, who is this guy acting like he owns the room? I suck so many ways. And they're like, that's William H. Macy. I was like, that's William H. Macy? Huh. For real? The homeless guy? Interesting. Wearing the blue shirt? Okay. I can't wait for you to see Fargo. He's he's really good in Fargo. I'm excited to see Fargo. I wanted to kind of see that this week, but I'm glad that you um, took the reins and said, let's do these two movies. Thank... Oh, thank God. Wow. Um, you know what's funny is that the filmmaker who did Magnolia, I found out, also did Boogie Nights. And he was, like, on a quest to do the quintessential 90s movie. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm saying Valley movie. Are we talking about Boogie Nights or Magnolia? Magnolia. 
after he made Boogie Nights. He didn't like with what, the, I guess, what the studio had done with it. And he was un- largely unhappy with it. Largely unhappy with what? Boogie Nights. What? That's yeah. Like, it's so like I read. It's like his best movie. No, but he was like unhappy with it, with with what the studio, I guess, did to it once it was out of his hands. And so he got um, carte blanche to make this movie and um, then basically said, fine, I'm going to make it the quintessential um, Valley movie. What? Yeah. It was supposed to like represent life in the San Fernando Valley on all its different levels and classes and stuff. Better than Clueless? That wasn't in the valley. She was below sunset. I mean, above sunset. Remember, that was a big thing. Like, you get upset if somebody says you look below sunset. I haven't seen it a thousand times like you. It was over the hill. Okay. It was not in the valley. I thought she was a valley girl. No? No. Cher? Are you kidding me? She was in Beverly Hills Mansion. Oh, good for her. With columns in the front. Yeah, you gotta have columns. And then you gotta buy a chandelier. Like this one, or that one, or this one. Hang your chandelier from <laughs> between these two columns. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Christopher Walken. You just came in the room. That wasn't Christopher Walken. It totally was the way you said it. Wow. Hang the chandelier between these two columns. We, we need some hard sleep, man. I know. Well, until next time. <laughs> This is the podcast wherein Justin and Chrissy, primarily Chrissy, forget, parentheses S, that we have a microphone in the room. We're sorry. Kind of. You're not sorry? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're not sorry. You know why I'm sorry? What? I'm sorry because these were great movies and we, if we, if we were better rested, could have done this much better. But I'm also not sorry because then you kind of get to see what it's like when we're not really being on stage we're just hanging out yeah just a couple of guys whatever that means just a couple of guys (laughs) having a talk forgetting that there's a microphone in the middle of us what is this thing what touch it what does this button do no